Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. On this special episode, Pastor Lance Hahn and I are joined by Pastor Ephraim Smith of Bayside of Midtown. He is their co-senior pastor, and we're going to be talking about how do we engage with an ever-increasingly diverse world. The world is more diverse than it has ever been. We have access to more ideas and more types of people than we've ever had. How do we represent Christ in that kind of a world? We're talking about that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Engaging Culture here in the Bridgeway Audio Studios on a Saturday night with Lance Hahn. I am right here, everyone. Don't worry. I'm here now. He's here. There you and go. Yeah. Our guest, who's here guest. with us preaching this weekend, was kind enough to sit down with us for a little bit, Pastor Ephraim Smith, sir. Hey, how you doing? Glad to have you with us. I'm Thank you so much. glad to be here. Man. Uh, the idea that I get to sit this close to oh. Ephraim Smith is pretty sweet. Wow. Right? So if, you, if you've never been this close to greatness, now I know what it feels like. I feel like I have a, a better understanding of it myself yeah, as yeah. well. People can't see it, but you're really close to me. <laughs> it's... It's, I mean, it's I love scary. It. I, I love it. I could use a little space. This is good. This is good. This, is, this, you know what? Space is overrated. But Amen. Uh, okay, so here's what we're here to talk about. So, uh, so from you, you're ministering in Bayside Midtown, diverse area. You and Bob Ballion, co-senior pastors. Uh, what are some? First of all, I'm just curious to know what are some of the unique opportunities and challenges you're seeing in the environment that you're in. Every church has its local context and kind of the 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 great things and the difficulties of that. What are what are you seeing now, having been in, in Midtown for for a little bit? Well, I mean, Sacramento is one of the most multicultural, multi ethnic, multi racial cities in the nation as a whole. And then you get into Midtown and that's where you really see a lot of those cultures converge. I yeah. mean, our our congregation is probably uh, a reflection of the community that surrounds us. I think we're 30% white, 35% black, 20% Hispanic, 10% Asian, the rest other. Um, you know, on our staff, we have Hmong, uh, Mexican, Anglo, uh, Ukrainian. Uh, I think this week, Bob is uh, Armenian. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm still African-American. Still African-American. <laughs> yeah. After so, all this time. Said it with a smile. Yeah, Bob's got that look like he could be Puerto Rican one week yeah. if he wants to, Cuban the next week. I mean, yeah. I don't know the Bob and I have ever met, but I've seen him speak a few times. And I'm always like, I, what are you? I don't know. Yeah, but he, I, he gets that a lot. He makes fun of himself for that, yeah, doesn't yeah. he? Officially, yeah. he is Armenian. Armenian. Yes. Got and it. he is awesome. I love that guy. He's yeah. so cool. Yes. Such a great guy. Right so, on. yes, you get to work with a, a really amazing man. Yeah. So, I mean, so one of the beauties is the diversity of our church, but it's also the greatest challenge too. Yeah, right. People come in from various backgrounds. They they come in uh, on both of the political uh, spectrums. Uh, they they come in suburban, urban. They come from the south, from the east coast, and so um, one of the challenges is how how do you teach and preach and provide various ministry initiatives that that is a bridge across the chasms that exist in the world that they work in, that they go to school in, that they live in on yeah. a regular basis, that you have a few moments through these ministry opportunities to be a bridge 
over the troubled waters that they have to live through week to week. Yeah, and I have to assume you're probably discovering new chasms all the time. Yes, right? indeed. As you just indeed. Well, one of the things that it as you were talking that was reminding me of is that when we try to just stick with the ancient culture of Israel, right? So when we talk about and preach about Jesus 2,000 years ago, everything's cool. The minute you make it applicable, it has to get into today. Yeah. And the minute you get into today, you go, your experience is different than my experience. And why are you talking like that? Like everything you say is laced with this perspective, but that's not my perspective. That right. must be very, very challenging. It, it is, uh, but it's also a great opportunity. I, I was fortunate to also pastor a multi-ethnic church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And when we first planted that church, which is called the Sanctuary, still going today, we used to have these these multi-ethnic potluck meals where I would invite oh, people awesome. to bring a, a dish that represented their upbringing. So we had the collard greens next to the enchiladas, next <laughs> to the awesome. fried rice, next to the, well, it was Minnesota, so hot dish, <laughs> you know, hot dish. casserole, you know, and I would say to people the same way that we're digesting one another's foods to be a multi-ethnic reconciling church in today's culture, we have to digest one another's stories, one yeah. another's pain, one another's dreams, one another's joys, one another's brokenness that we might um, experience reconciliation uh, in a culture around us that is so, um, so seeped in division yeah. and demeaning and dehumanizing. Now, it seems to me, I, I think that there is so much division and 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 you're absolutely right that we are so quick to dehumanize one another so on the one hand i think we're very quick to make snap judgments about different people and trying to categorize okay well you're this way you're that way you're from this place you believe these things and all of that but i like your metaphor of just as we ingest one another's foods we need to ingest one another's stories how can we as christ followers in particular Avoid the temptation to make these snap judgments about different people, whether it's cultural or political or spiritual or just in whatever ways we might be diverse. How can we and maybe how can even Jesus or just even the, the truths of our faith help us to be better at that, at hearing one another and not making those types of snap judgments? Well, I think Jesus helps us see a framework, a life strategy for engaging the other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jesus goes into Samaria, uh, uh, and that, that setting is, is culturally should have been a place where you would see the realities of the division between Jew and Samaritan, yeah. between Jewish male and Samaritan female. And yet he sits down at a well and we see a beautiful picture of, of the kingdom of God, of reconciliation, of digesting one another's stories in a way that the Samaritan woman's life is transformed. Yeah. And so uh, I wonder if that posture of Jesus sitting at the well, looking up and asking the other for a drink yeah. uh, is a posture that can inform how we engage other cultures. What if we began by sitting at the well, by sitting at the feet of the stories of the experiences of other people versus starting from the posture of looking down with judgment and quick critique yeah. on someone else's story. Um, it's, it's, 
it's easy uh, informed simply by the culture for me as an African-American to look at a white brother or sister and go, oh, I know who you are. Yeah. I've experienced you before. Oh, I know what you're going to say for me to leave uh, Sacramento County and go into Placer County and go, oh, I know how you people are. I know. Yeah. I know what y'all do yeah. instead of going. There's opportunities for both of us to sit at the foot of the well or to sit at the well of our experiences and look up and ask for a drink. Yeah. Yeah. And listen. Right? Yeah. To be refreshed by your story and yeah. not be repulsed by your story. Yeah. Man, that's good. Lance, what are your what are your thoughts on well, this? Well, uh, two things strike me. One is the posture of a need. So Jesus could have come in swinging. I'm the uh, I'm the Messiah. I'm the I'm the guy. I'm the Jew. What's wrong with you? And he came in and said, "Hey, uh, can you can you give me a drink?" Like he came in with a posture of humility, yeah. which I think is was very powerful. I think that opened up. The other thing uh, that was I think that I I just wrote down is the intentionality of Jesus. What's interesting is he ends up having that dialogue alone, and there's a reason why he has that alone with the woman at the well is he sent everybody off to go do an errand. This is not an accident. Jesus was so intentional about breaking through expectations and breaking through assumptions and breaking through judgments and stereotypes. He was so beautifully intentional. When he had Mary sit down at his feet, that was going to rock people's world. Women didn't sit at the feet of rabbi. And so that wasn't an accident. I mean, he was allowing her to sit there, and he knew it was rattling everybody. Yeah. He was so intentional about uh, connecting diverse things. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think it's it's easy to read those stories and miss that. But I think both of those examples you just cited are it's Jesus breaking down cultural barriers. It's in the case of the woman at the well, it's Jesus listening. It's it's Jesus inviting someone who would have been kept far far off inviting her in. And, and there's just, there's a lot of power in that, right? Now, uh, you just finished your doctorate at my alma mater, Fuller Theological Seminary. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. And the big, the big kind of issue behind your doctorate, and then please correct me if I'm getting this wrong, was just you're talking about kind of this idea of how can Christians be effective cultural missionaries? And one of the big questions you're asking is, are we preparing Christians to be effective missionaries to represent Christ in this world that is ever-changing, in a world that is only growing more diverse, in a world where we have access to ideas, cultures, opinions, far beyond any of our, our predecessors ever could have. Are we preparing Christians to engage that world effectively? Can, can you tell us a little bit more about the project and kind of what you were sure. working on? Sure. Well, you know, because my context is an urban, multi-ethnic church, One of the things I wanted to explore was how does the multi-ethnic church, uh, being biblically informed, go beyond simply a goal of becoming diverse? Uh, Of course, there's a need for churches that look like heaven. Um, You know, I think 70% or more of the churches in the United States of America would be deemed homogeneous. And with the... um, the mission field of the United States of America becoming more and more multicultural, multi-ethnic, multilingual. There's a need for churches that look like heaven, but the goal of diversity uh, is not enough. That um, ultimately we should be going after a greater fulfillment of the Great Commission, mm-hmm. of living as ambassadors of reconciliation. So what I was 
arguing uh, in my final project was that the um, the urban multi-ethnic church shouldn't simply pursue diversity, but we should be about the equipping and releasing of cross-cultural, justice-oriented disciple-makers. What if Christians were known not just by their convictions, which is important, but their cross-cultural competencies and their compassion, Hmm. their ability to not draw a line and make the culture the enemy, nor fully embrace the culture, but engage the culture um, for the advancement of the kingdom of God, for transformed lives. And so I think the multi-ethnic church has a unique opportunity in a city like Sacramento to go, we're, we're releasing disciple makers into that uh, real mission field. Right. And it's, I, I think it's interesting, this element of, okay, cross-cultural, justice-oriented. I, I'm guessing those words were very carefully chosen, right? And, and so I guess maybe talk to us about because I, I like that you're kind of taking us a step beyond diversity. I mean, we can get a bunch of people that all look different, put them in a room, and hey, we're diverse, right? But but that's that's not understanding. That's not right, cross-cultural right. competency, right? Yeah. That, 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 that you're calling us to something beyond that, where we're understanding each other's stories, where we can listen deeply and understand, which I think is fantastic. And then you talk about justice-oriented and then disciple-making. Can you just break those terms down for us sure. a little bit? And what did you mean for by them well, when you use them? Um, you know, biblically, I looked at three places in Scripture. What One was Paul's letters to the church at Corinth. And so because Corinth was a multicultural marketplace city, uh, I, I've been fortunate to uh, be able to, to travel and visit the ancient ruins of Corinth uh, in, in the Athens area mm-hmm. of Greece. And so I, I looked at, Paul's letters to the church at Corinth of, hey, for these people to live in community as a church, but also to be missional to the city they were in, could it be that Paul was talking to them, writing to them in a way that would increase their cross-cultural competencies and skills, Hmm, their ability to live together as one body, many members, but to also carry the message and live into the ministry of reconciliation mm-hmm. in in the city of Corinth. Yeah. Um, then the other place I looked was uh, Matthew 25 and Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. There's this king. Uh, he brings all the nations together, separates them like a shepherd would separate sheep and goats. And to those on his right, he says, come and inherit the kingdom of God. When I was hungry, you fed me. Thirsty, gave me drink. Uh, you visited me in prison. Uh, you tended to me when I was sick. You clothed me when I was naked. And they go, when did we do that? Yeah. And he said, as you've done it to the least of these You've done it to me. That was the place I went to with some other places to say, I think there's a justice orientation to being Christian. Um, And then Matthew 28, uh, of course, the Great Commission, the call to make disciples of all nations. And so uh, part of what I wanted to do in using urban apologetics, uh, some black church theology and praxis and reconciliation theology was to say we should not compartmentalize uh, what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, uh, the Great Commission and um, 
what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God yeah. and and giving drink to the thirsty, et cetera, yeah. uh, that there's there's an interconnectedness. And so that's where I went to this whole notion of cross-cultural, justice-oriented disciple makers, especially um, if you're, you know, for us, our church being in Sacramento County, in, in the heart of the city, I mean, I, it's safe to say we're, we're in a more politically liberal, uh, quote unquote, progressive mission field. Yeah. So if you can't um, make a biblical case for the intersections of justice, uh, disciple making and, and cross cultural sensitivity and understanding, I mean, it's it's tough yeah. trying to present uh, the gospel to, to be about apologetics, to embody yeah. Apologetics, apologetics yeah. in that kind of mission field, right? Oh, yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Um, Lance, I want to hear from you a little bit on on this. I mean, in terms of increasing our sort of ability to understand one another, and, and I know that even, I mean, everything that 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 was just shared now about cross cultural competency, about justice, about disciple making, those are passions of yours. They're passions of mine. Yeah, they're huge. In, we can talk. Ethnic diversity, we can talk diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. How can we go about increasing uh, that level of kind of understanding and even that justice orientation in, I mean, we can talk about it in an urban context. We're in a suburban context here right. in kind of Placer County. What does that look like here? Yeah, I. so I remember uh, just this idea of urban missions. It came back up that you used to be CEO and president of a of a of a company that really ultimately did church planning in urban missions. And I was thinking urban missions, you know, that sounds kind of funny because you always think global missions or whatever. Um, And the city forces or demands that people that are different in inner city, they're forced together in a suburb. Everybody can be in their own little neighborhoods and they can hide in their own houses. So you have to be more intentional, in my opinion, to go find stories. I think that the stories of one another many times in an urban environment is forced on you where you go, that guy is always in front of my house because he's homeless. I can't ignore that dude's story. Whereas in a suburb, there you don't have the same homeless population, and so it's not suddenly right at your doorstep. I think that the intentionality has to increase for areas like ours, yeah. right? Uh, so, for example, if I was not purposeful in my relationships with people in the region— I would never have had all those things that you were talking about become burdens on my heart. Um, The idea that I'm so obsessed with understanding the issue of uh, minorities, predominantly uh, the 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 challenge of being African American in a in in modern day America. The reason why that's such a burden on my heart is not because I grew up that way. It's because those that I love grew up in that environment, and now all of a sudden, because I love them. It's like a big deal to me, yeah. but you have to be uber intentional the further you get from the core of the city because it's not forced on you. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's an expression I think I've heard you use before, Lance. It's kind of the idea that the pain is hidden. Yes. So it's still there. It's just, it's hidden behind, right. you know, behind just behind, the various trappings yes. of, of suburban life. Yes. Now, I in talking about, okay, ministering in a diverse context, whether we're talking diversity in any, any number of ways... I sense, I think, as our culture becomes more diverse, and I think it's almost like the options for how you think are increasing because there are so many different voices in yeah. our world today. 
I sense, and I'd be curious to hear from from either of you, maybe we'll start with you, you Ephraim, is I sense a lot of defensiveness in our culture today where I don't want to hear your story. I want to defend my point of view because if I have to acknowledge your point of view, then somehow that is, that is, that I just can't do that. So I sense a lot less listening in our world today and a lot more defensiveness and a lot more us sort of isolating ourselves into our own kind of cocoons of people that think like us, which I think is highly problematic in our culture, but certainly problematic even within the church. I think that happens. I just wonder, do you see that at all? And, and if so, how do we go about breaking that down? Sure. I mean, of course I see it. Uh, I, I would lean on uh, Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil has a book out called Roadmap to Reconciliation. Mm. And she gives a, a framework for, you know, getting on this road to living life as a reconciler. She also shows the temptation to avoid the road like mm. that, like, you know, it's easier not to go to Samaria, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> than, than to go to Samaria. And so what, what she talks about is when there's a catalytic event, um, one of two things can happen in a person. They can go into a cycle of preservation or they can go towards a cycle of transformation. Mm, and I think the dominant temptation the dominant response in our culture is preservation yeah. that's where you get the defensiveness yeah. so if somebody um brings up the past and says oh you know it this year marks 400 years since a significant moment in the beginning of the institution of slavery somebody i didn't own slaves yeah why we got to talk about slavery we're yeah. still talking about that. Yeah. I mean, people. Uh, the the tendency is to is to move towards preservation, to preserve what I already believe, how I already feel, how I was conditioned to think about this. Yeah. Now, on one hand, there are some convictions. There are some things we are <laughs> supposed to preserve sure. as sure. believers. Yeah. yeah. So we don't want to go too far with this. Yeah. But um, what if the key to reconciliation? the key to a greater sense of unity in the body of Christ is the opportunities for transformation yeah. to allow unfortunate catalytic events like, uh, you know, uh, a little over a year ago, uh, Stefan Clark was shot and killed yeah. by police officers. Um, that that's a catalytic event. Yeah. That's either going to lead to preservation and the divisiveness and anger and chasm that comes from that, or it could be an opportunity for all of us to be transformed, yeah. to be moved closer to the heart of God, yeah. closer to the mission of reconciliation. Yeah. And, and I feel like in the aftermath of that tragic event, I feel like I kind of saw a little bit of both, yes. you know, like in, in some ways there was this, 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 this awful division. But in a lot of ways, I know, I mean, Lance, you were at the table for a lot of conversations that I know were really hard, that it seemed like yeah. there was some reconciliation that was able to happen as, as listening yeah. occurred. And that's ultimately what you need in the face of catalytic events is that type of listening posture. Yeah. So you just walked right into um, a, kind of an example in, in my heart. So when, when a white person hears, you keep using the phrase reconciliation, which is interesting because to a dominant group, reconcile to what? Yeah. 
right? Because it's kind of like you keep mentioning, well, like there's a mandate in scripture for reconciliation, right? And they're going, I I don't feel unreconciled. What (laughs) What are you talking about? And it's once again, you have to step back into the intentionality piece because just because you aren't currently working through the hurt doesn't mean it doesn't need to be worked on. You are a part of that hurt, whether you think you are or not. And I'm speaking to uh, the dominant group that I tend to be a part of, right? Right. As as a white guy. Um, And what was interesting about that it ties into that intentionality piece because here I am, um, you know, I, I live in one area that's a suburb and I have a church in another area that's a suburb. So I was very removed from the Stefan Clark situation from distance. I was not in close proximity to the actual event, but I ended up immersing and inserting myself into the conversations where we had a big kind of challenging meeting, right? Right around the corner from where it happened. Um, I had to consistently insert and say, this matters to my city. This matters to me. This matters to people I love. I need to be a part of this process. So then uh, most recently, there was a a soul food place that opened up (laughs) down in Sacramento. And I went down with, with Bishop uh, to go uh, to Fixins, right? Fixins Soul Kitchen. Oh, that's a great spot. Right? Yeah, it's a good spot. <laughs> that, 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 some reconciliation can happen there. <laughs> that's what I'm I saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So that's here's awesome. where it ties together. So I'm down there uh, because uh, Bishop Parnell Lovelace is a buddy of mine, and he wanted me to come down to the opening, which allowed me to meet a bunch of people, including the Clark family. So mm-hmm. Stefan Clark's family was there. Well, they, because of that whole situation, had known Bishop. So he came over and said, hey, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine, Lance. And so I got a chance to meet Stefan's mom and his brother. Wow. And so, but, but once again, the idea is all of that becomes very close, but I had to engage. If I did not go down to Fixins, that would not have happened. If I would have not stepped out of my area, if I would not have, because so many of us, uh, say, well, that that doesn't necessarily apply to me, and we can stay removed, and then we stay entrenched in our own feelings and our own thoughts. Yeah. And you go, no, 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 no. Jesus says, if it matters to Him, it matters to all of us. Yeah, as Christians. Yeah. So anyway, that was Amen. just a little yeah. round circle thought. Yeah, yes. yeah. No, yes. that's good. Well, and I think that that even even what you described there, the idea of e- even that that simple act of of going to a place that's on a different different part of town, different. Yep. Just different different spot than where you normally hang out, yep. and going with a posture of of listening and meeting and engaging, and not like, hey, I've come from the suburbs to tell you all how things are. Like, well, that's not helpful. Literally in the room, yeah. it's opening night, right? And yeah. this is this is uh, fixins is soul food is predominantly considered a southern and many times uh, an African American tradition. I'm a white dude in this room on opening night, and I had an awful lot of people looking at me like, what the heck are you doing here? You're supposed to come week two. Yeah, like, dude, you're on the wrong day. Yeah. And so once again, when you do insert into different environments, it's not always easy, and it's not always smooth. It's just right. Yeah. And especially if you have the right demeanor. I understood. I was an outsider and I needed to have mass humility yeah. of just walking in saying, thank you for allowing me to come in and join you on something that you're celebrating here. Yeah. 
So yeah. anyway, no, it, but it's just, it's a lot of times we won't do it if it's difficult. I'm just yeah. telling you, a lot of great things are difficult. Yeah. You just got to do them. Yeah. No, amen. That's well said. So we're, we're running out of time here. It's kind of an express episode of Engaging Culture. But before we wrap up, I, I just want to hear a little bit more from, from you, Ephraim, about, so how do we then, okay, we talk about cross-cultural in all sorts of different ways, that the world is ever more cross-cultural. In, in, we talk about ministering in diverse contexts. We talk about people bringing in all sorts of different ideas. And I think especially, I love what you shared, in a context like yours, where you've got socioeconomic diversity, you've got racial diversity, you've got political diversity. How does the cross, how does Jesus, how does the story of our faith help to bring people together? How, how is it that our faith can help Republicans and Democrats worship side by side? How can it help people that are on opposite sides of different issues, not just political? How can it help them be in community together? How can it help them experience the kind of transformation that you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's practically leaning into Christ and the cross is always about connection. It's yeah. always about building a bridge over a chasm. So Christ and Christ on the cross builds a bridge between sinful humanity on earth and the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, post cross, the resurrected Jesus, um, through the Holy Spirit, we're to carry that same mandate to be the great connectors to, um, to God and to one another. Yeah. We, we see that with, um, Peter in Acts chapter 10 of, you know, going to the house of Cornelius Yeah. that again, building bridges where there's chasms, where there are gaps. And we have to look at the ways we have to be hungry and desperate for the ways in which God wants to use our lives as a bridge yeah. uh, to step into the chasms that exist. I lived in Minnesota in 2007 when um, the portion of the Interstate 35W bridge that connects Minneapolis and St. Paul collapsed. Mm. Um, this portion of the bridge that collapsed into the Mississippi River had 111 vehicles on it wow. uh, at the time. And uh, there, there were 17 people that died, a number of people that were injured. And... I, I don't know how, miraculously, this school bus that was on the bridge carrying elementary age kids, when the bridge collapsed, the way that bus went down, it kind of found an embankment, and the kids on that bus, they, they were injured, they had cuts and bruises and scrapes, but they were, they were all alive on that bus. Wow. A young man named Nate happened to be a member of the church that I was pastoring at the time, was working at a site nearby, he ran to that bus, mm -hmm. to the place where there was devastation and pain and collapse. He heard the cries of those kids on that school bus, and he ran to the bus. Yeah. Um, the church has to be willing to run where the collapse has taken place. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's why um, equipping and releasing these kinds of missionaries that we referred to at the top of the program yeah. are so important because we need to equip and release folks to 
that are already working in the government sector, in the entertainment sector, in the education, the healthcare, whatever sector of society they're working in, the the church has to be the laboratory, the training center uh, where we equip, empower, release people to go in there as, as bridge builders, as reconcilers. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of work. Indeed. Indeed. I hope this means job security for me. No. Yeah. 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 There you go. And it's, I mean, and I say that slightly tongue in cheek, uh, it is a lot of work, but it's, it's necessary work and it's beautiful work and it's the work of, I mean, that's the kingdom of God right there. It's, it's people that run to the bus, whatever sector of society that they're in. And, and I love that picture of we're not we're not reacting to culture. We're not standing on the side of the chasm, throwing rocks to the other side. You know that really seeking to be to be a bridge is that's countercultural work, but that's that's the kingdom of God, right? Yeah, so, Amen. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us this evening. Really, really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, honored to be yeah. here. Yeah, honored to. Yes, and thank you, Lance. As always, appreciate you being here as well. Thanks to all of you for listening to this special episode of Engaging Culture. Lance and I will be back with you in just a couple of days with another regular episode. So thanks to Tony, our audio engineer, for helping us out tonight. And we'll be with you again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.